Lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds has come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. Throws across his body, and he got him! Looking away, McCann around third, throw from the outfield is up the line, inside the park home run! He gone! And he makes the catch up against the wall. And he's going to watch it fly. Strike three called. He got him on strikes. Welcome to the Voice of the Turtle, a podcast feature of the Bless You Boys website. We are SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. You can find us online at blessyouboys.com, also on Twitter at Bless you Boys, and on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash byb.tigers. I'm your host, Hook Slide, along with my co-host, Rob Rojacki. And Rob, are you ready for the return of Rod Allen on Wednesday? There's going to be baseball on TV, and I'm right? so excited. I mean, I have to wa- late, wait like, you know, like six or seven hours to watch it when I get home from work, but still counts. So you're going to do the, the DVR approach then? I got MLB TV. Oh, yeah. Right. Hey, I do too. I completely forgot about that. That's that's right. They, uh, that auto, they auto renewed my subscription and I apparently got a discount uh, well, part of that. You, do you get uh, spring training games blacked out? No. Because I don't even think those are blacked out. Uh, well, that's a good question. I guess I, got, I, do, I don't know. I only used it today to listen to the the broadcast that was on today. We're recording this on Tuesday, so Dan and Jim had the they were on the audio stream. But I guess I don't know until tomorrow whether or not. Well, yeah, audio is not blacked out no matter where you are. But right, TV. I don't, I don't know. Are you going to watch it live? Uh, I won't be watching it via MLB TV. I'm going to be at work, so my only other option is to go down to the local sports bar at lunch, which I will take a late lunch and try to catch half an hour or an hour of the game. Well, that's that the only part that matters, anyways. Right, I mean, yeah, it's it's a spring training game, so it's whatever. I but that's a good question. I don't know if the spring training games are blacked out or not. I've not had the opportunity to uh, test that. Anyway, it's been a good day, don't you think? Baseball yeah. on the radio. Yeah. Did we win? No, uh, we lost. No. No. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> no, spring training doesn't matter. That's who cares. It. Well, we can talk about that a little bit later because it it does matter. We've been told that it matters. Someone at the Free Press, I think it was explained. That using history and statistics that, in fact, the spring training games do matter. We'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do have another full show ahead of us. We're going to be talking about injuries and doom, spring training baseball and its predictive value, favorite things to eat at Comerica Park, what we've learned from the spring training games so far. Of course, we'll take questions from the audience and then wrap up with baseball terms that don't make any sense. But before we get to all that, we've got to round the bases without injuring something, which is something the Tigers can't seem to do right now. We'll talk about that when we get back. pounds righty delivers as a fly ball left field. This one's deep. This one's got a chance, and this ball is gone a home run. Ian Kinsler delivers the walkoff. Number six for Ian. He rounds third. Heads into the mob scene at home. And the Tigers take the series from KC. A walk-off home run from Kinsler. Eight to six. All right, as we get into our rounding the bases segment, this has been the theme, the, the, the constant refrain week after week after week, Rob. Can the Tigers stay healthy? This is the linchpin. That uh, that holds all the hopes and dreams of this team and their performance in 2016, and can they get to the World Series and all that good stuff? It's all about the health, 
And the day after we record, we recorded last week's show, the news came out that uh, Anibal Sanchez had to be sidelined until I think it was yesterday because of uh, oh triceps inflammation. I think it was he strained something or other, and so he's he's off. And then there were a couple more reports come through. Um, Rob, why why are they getting hurt? Stop stop hurting yourselves. What's going on? I mean, at least they're getting hurt in February and not you know like closer to the season maybe i i, I don't I know no, it's... It's, is there an explanation for this why all of a sudden because we had sanchez get sidelined we've had reports now that alex wilson had some uh, issues with his shoulder uh as of today again recording this on tuesday we heard that montreal robertson um is going to be rehabbing for like six to eight weeks of course he's not like a critical piece of the 2016 team but i mean come on we well, we'll just... get to robert We'll get to Robertson in a minute, Mm -hmm. but I think that some of the other things like Sanchez and Alex Wilson, um, I think that some of it just happens when you get back to throwing after an off season off. Not a lot of these, these guys don't spend a lot of time throwing during the off season because of all the strain that it puts on their arm. So when they do get back to doing some of this during spring training, it takes a little time to get back into the swing of things. Uh, so hopefully it's just kind of one of those things. And, you know, maybe this is a product of us having 15 million beat writers down in florida with nothing else to talk about uh more so than there actually being something to worry about and that could very well be i i'm assuming i've never thrown a baseball at the major league level or it really past high school um but i would imagine it's the same principle at work as you know say if i go without working out for six months and then try to get back onto a program there's almost always something that goes wrong. You, you hurt an ankle, the foot gets sore, the shin splints start. So something seems to always happen when you start using muscles that you have not been using. And in Sanchez's case, remember, he got shut down early. So it's he's not throwing a baseball for even longer than, than some of these other guys. Is that all this is? Just, hey, he's using those muscles again, and, and so they're, they're barking at him? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and one of the things that I was kind of... Uh, I don't necessarily want to say encouraged by, but I guess what was kind of a relief is that apparently this inflammation is a little bit closer to his elbow rather than the shoulder. The triceps muscle is the one that kind of goes down the back of the arm there, so you have attachments at both joints. Um, and so it's not necessarily related to the shoulder injury that took him out for you know the end of the 2015 season. Um, having any sort of elbow issue as a pitcher isn't good per se. But, oh, good. It's the elbow. That's, that's all. Okay. So but I guess John. that it's not a recurring thing compared to what he had last season. I get that's a little bit better. I'd say. So <laughs> I think he has Tommy John under his belt, right? Yeah, I think he does. I'm pretty okay. sure he does. It was a while ago, so I don't necessarily want to, you know, worry about that yet, but we'll see how it goes. I guess he played catch up to 90 feet on Monday without any pain. So, okay. Uh, sounds like everything's okay so far, and we'll see how he progresses from there. Yeah, the report that I read, I think, said he started to notice the the pain, the inflammation, when he, quote-unquote, dialed it up, basically, with the fastball. When he started to put a little extra heat on, that's when it started to happen. That totally makes sense to me. You have not used this arm for how many months. You go out there for the first time, you start whipping that ball around, and suddenly, yeah, it's going to scream at you a little bit. The thing is, I overreacted. I'll own that when that news first broke and all 15 million of the beat writers tweeted the same thing. And it said the only three words that I cared about, Anibal Sanchez injured because that's, that's our guy, right? Sanchez is not a fifth starter. 
He's not even a fourth starter. He's got to be the third starter on this team, maybe even the second starter, depending on where you place Zimmerman. So he has, you know, quite a bit of value attached to what he's doing. You need this guy to be healthy and to stay healthy. And we know he's got that long history of, you know, when was the last time he actually pitched a full season without spending time injured? I think Kennedy was president when it happened. So when you see Sanchez is injured, yeah, that there's going to be that sort of immediate like, oh my God, no, not this, no, no, because it's Sanchez. Anybody else, you feel like, yeah, okay, it'll be fine. Is there, I mean, did you freak out at all? I did. Um, you know, losing a guy like Sanchez or even Verlander or Zimmerman, God forbid, uh, that's going to be a big problem for the Tigers. They need those three guys to stay healthy and to be effective throughout the season because otherwise you're looking at a really kind of a subpar rotation if you're taking another one of those younger younger arms like Shane Green or Matt Boyd and sticking them into the rotation for a number of starts. Uh, they need as much mileage out of, you know, Verlander, Sanchez and Zimmerman as they can get if they're if they're going to contend and having Sanchez, you know, with some issues already, you know, we'll see. I kind of said on the site when I wrote something along the lines of we can panic at the next setback. Um, but still, it is a little bit concerning right now. Yeah. So uh, to, to sum up to this point, it's it's probably just a normal, uh, you know, mild injury setback that is that's typical when you start using muscles you haven't used that kind of thing yes there's maybe a little bit of concern because it is Anibal Sanchez and he does have that history but at at this point I think it's maybe a little premature to to freak out and start ringing the doom bell just yet Uh, it is early yet we still have a whole month before uh, the opening day even even starts uh but looking ahead into the future, what happens if, in fact, this is something more than, than what it appears to be? What happens if there's, you know, further complications down the road? Who's going to replace Sanchez if, if he isn't able to even start the season? I mean, for the short term, it has to be someone like Shane Green or Matt Boyd or even Michael Fulmer uh, coming up from the minors. It has to be one of those internal candidates there. I don't necessarily think the Tigers are going to sign someone unless this is looking like a real long-term type thing. Uh, we'll see who they would go with in that case. You know, I don't necessarily want to mention a couple of the guys that were here last year that aren't with the team anymore. Um, but the rest of the free agent pool is really kind of bare. I mean, you've got, you know, there's a big name on there in Tim Lincecum, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. But um, other than that, it's, you know, a bunch of nobodies. Justin Masterson's there, but he hasn't been good in, what, three, four years? No, at least, at least. And you certainly don't want to even contemplate, I don't think, that scenario of saying if they're in a situation where they actually have to go out and sign somebody. Hopefully, you know, and this is the other the other reaction. After I was initially, you know, kind of pooped my pants in hearing this news, the next thought was, okay, take a deep breath. They do have some depth. They have more depth this year than they did last year. It's not a situation where you have to go out and sign a, a Randy Wolf to come in, you know, and, and fill those spots or anything like that. You mentioned a couple names already. I would I would think that Green would be your first choice there, and then Fulmer. I, I mean, I'm just speculating. Yeah, it could be Green. It could be Fulmer. Uh, apparently, they've been impressed with Matt Boyd's slider so far this spring. So we'll see. We'll see what that brings about. Um, you know, I I don't necessarily know if I want to throw a you know a front runner into the mix yet, but right. it's going to be one of those three. Yeah, I guess the point is it's. It's probably going to be somebody internal. I don't see them having to run out to the free agent field and try to fill that spot, which, you know, it's it's a calming thing to, to, to realize at this point, I think. Sanchez was not the only one, however, who reported having some issues. We talked about the fact that Alex Wilson also reported having uh, some soreness in the, in the shoulder. Uh, that's also not 
you know, great news, but again, probably just getting the kinks out. It does seem like that. And I think Wilson's quote uh, that he told reporters kind of illustrates that. He said, quote, it's all good soreness. It's just a little more sore than normal. Rather than push it when there's no need to push it right now, we're going to take a couple days, I assume. I'll probably take two or three days off from throwing. Um, and so, you know, that's that's kind of an encouraging quote from him. Uh, I read somewhere, I can't remember, that he had also, you know, noticed that this, you know, soreness was in the back of his shoulder and wasn't related to the bicep stuff that uh, sidelined him towards the end of last year. So again, not kind of not another recurring thing, which is good. Um, and with Wilson, I mean, he hasn't really had much history of that in the past, so I guess we're not panicking as much, and he's kind of, you know, not one of the, the top guys in the bullpen, at least on paper. So not as uh, uh, not as concerning, but we'll see what happens. He's younger, too. I mean, that's the other thing. Is, you it's know, a big thing. That's You bounce back a little bit quicker. I always say, you know, the older you get, the body doesn't get more cooperative with you, and, you know, you end up with guys like me who end up, you know, with rotator cuff issues just from trying to sleep overnight. And waking up and thinking, what what the hell just happened? Why does my arm hurt? Um, but Wilson is, you know, probably less important. I mean, not probably. He is less important to the success of the team than, say, a Sanchez. And yet, at the same time, he's got to be also, I think, a core of that of that remade bullpen. You've got the top three for the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, and, and Justin Wilson and, and uh, Lowe and K Rod. Uh, but I, I do think you need to have, you know, you need to have the long reliever there, Alex Wilson and Blaine Hardy, uh, kind of forming that other healthy part of the bullpen core and you know what i'm saying i don't think you want to go from from that to okay what we're relying on bruce rondon then or drew verhagen mm-hmm. yeah um so uh, we'll, we'll hope that he stays healthy and is able to get back to throwing I, I don't think there have been any updates on him yet but his came out a little bit later i think his soreness started on sunday or monday or something like that and it seems the way that things have been going with the the uh, spring training games, we've had two of them so far, one on Monday and then one on Tuesday, that they, they are scheduling this out. They they have a plan for, we want to get this pitcher into the game at this point for this many innings. you know. So I'm guessing at some point this week, we'll probably see Alex Wilson get into some game action if he's, in fact, you know, recovered enough to do that. The one pitcher that doesn't seem to be faring so well in all of this, and thank goodness he's, again, not a core component, is Montreal Robinson. Uh, who had this thing called subluxation, which nobody seems to know what the hell that even is. It, it, it sounds like a like an indigestion type thing. Not necessarily indigestion. <laughs> sounds but, um, like it does. Uh, no, it's just the the shoulder. What happens is something causes it to uh, almost pop out of the joint a little bit, not fully, but at least partially, and then it comes back into place. Um, and that can cause some soft tissue damage around the area. Uh, the shoulder joint itself is a very inherently unstable joint. Um, you know, any joint in the body is going to, you know, you got to kind of find a balance between movement and stability, and the shoulder really kind of skews towards the movement side. So, you know, any sort of popping out there is going to cause a little bit of damage to the soft tissue around that area, and it can be pretty painful. Uh, and so the rehab from that can take a little while, and they're keep, they're going to work on a lot of strengthening and stabilization type stuff after they get it, you know, just calmed down a little bit. But it can take a little while, and I think the timeline they set on him was what, like six to eight weeks yeah, or something Yeah, six to like eight weeks, because they were talking six, about surgery, if not rehab. It's it's possible. We'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, if it's if the shoulder's back into place, you'd think that, you know, rehab would be okay with that as long as he didn't damage things too much. But we'll we'll see how that goes. He's got some time and he's a young guy, so I'm hoping that he's able to to bounce back. And and just how freaking fragile is this shoulder that 
the the story that I heard is that not yeah he injured it during a workout, but it wasn't necessarily that he was like you know lifting weights or something. I, the story I read is that he went to get up off the bench and hurt himself. How how fragile is the shoulder that you can't get up off the bench without hurting yourself? I don't necessarily know that it's fragile in that way. Um, you know, I see a fair number of people, a lot of younger people usually, who will have, you know, a little bit of instability in that shoulder joint. And it can be, it's always kind of something weird that happens that causes the shoulder to, to pop out a little bit. Um, and, you know, they just move wrong or, or what have you, but you just got to work on a little bit, like I said, a little more strengthening uh, and just working on getting those muscles surrounding the shoulder to almost kind of compensate for the, the little bit of laxity in, in the joint and the ligaments surrounding the bones. From the pitchers to the position players, the other two reports we heard were that Miguel Cabrera and Anthony Ghost both, uh, well, they weren't the only ones, but those in particular, uh, came down with something of a stomach bug for a couple of days there and had to miss some time playing. So uh, clearly that's that's the end of the season right there. You got guys dealing with stomach issues, which led to a, a hilarious article written by Catherine on the website because she inadvertently talked about the stomach bug also at the same time as saying that Anibal Sanchez was throwing up, throwing up to 90 feet. And uh, that just, it was a funny little combination of words. But uh, Cabrera's back, he was back in the game today, so I assume he's um, he's doing okay. Seems like it. Uh, I don't know what he did. did he, he, uh, he got a hit, so we're good. Did he? Yeah, he's fine. I missed that. I, I heard it I'm looking that he, he walked I know that yeah and he must have got a hit after that I'm looking at the box score so <laughs> well, sounds like we're good that. no problem with the stomach bug so all in all not terribly concerned about all this Any not yet this? I mean we'll see how Sanchez progresses but everyone's well mostly everyone's limbs are intact well, as long as the limbs are intact, then it's good. It's still early. They have plenty of time yet this month to really screw things up and really send us into panic. But for now, uh, I don't. I don't want to blow my wad early on that. So we'll, well just. Things are still a lot better than last year. So right, nobody has had to go. You know, I think at this point last year we already knew that Verlander was not going to make opening day, and certainly Vmart was going to be. And yeah. already had surgery, so. I will I will happily accept what we have coming down the pike right now and say it's it's all good. We'll panic if we need to later. Right now, let's just enjoy the fact that baseball is kind of sort of back in an exhibition sense. All right, that will do it for a rounding the basis segment. Um, when we come back, we'll go warming in the pen. Let's talk about the Grapefruit League and what's been going on in spring training right after the break. Here's the 2-2. It's in the fly ball, right field. Deep and down the line and go. All right, we are back from the break. Let's go warming in the pen. Rob, do you even like grapefruit? Is that is that a fruit that you enjoy? Yeah, from time to time. I can never really find it in the store. No, it's. Uh, uh, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm not looking that hard. How do you eat the it grapefruit? Is. That's the question. Uh, What's your preferred method of consumption? You just cut it open, throw a little sugar on it, and go to town. So you do the slice it and then kind of dig out with a spoon. Yeah. Thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, my, More my, fun that way. My parents were sadistic, and my mom used to peel them like oranges, and then you know, kind of slice, not slice them, but peel the slices out like you would an orange. And we would just eat them. She would feed them to us raw. Without That's like any... some thick, thick skin on those things. Yes, it is. It's incredibly Ooh. difficult to swallow, and it tastes horrible if you don't have any sugar. Anyway, why are we talking about grapefruits? Right, grapefruit league. Yes, grapefruits, grapefruit league. Well, they taste cream. better than cactuses, so. <laughs> I can't speak to that. I've never had a cactus, so. I haven't either, but I'm assuming. 
you never know. You might eat a cactus and be like, that's that's it. That is what I'm eating now from now on. That's it. They're less dangerous. Yeah, probably. Depends on how you cook it, I guess. God, we are so far off the beaten path right now. Spring training is, is started. Games. We had a game on Monday. The Tigers played against the Florida Southern University, Southern of Florida, Florida Southern. I always get it backwards. It's the mocks. And uh, they beat them handily, 7-2. to two. Um, You want to talk about some of the highlights of that? Uh, Jacoby Jones hit homer, didn't he? He certainly did. In fact, it was a dramatic home run because the game was, I think, tied 2-2 two to two at that point. It was the seventh inning. There was like two outs, and uh, he hit a three-run homer, I think. Yeah, three-run. Of course, it wasn't you know in any way streamed or displayed on television. I didn't see any pictures, no video, so I have zero idea what that home run actually looked like, whether he crushed it or whether it was a, I don't know. He hit it under the berm. Is that far? I don't know where the berm is. Oh, uh, I think it's in left field. I thought it was in right field. I have no idea. Okay, open question for you. I've been the, there, too, and I can't even remember. You, uh, it's in it's left field, yeah. Okay. I was going to leave that open uh, as a question for the audience to kind of set us straight there. But, yeah, so Jacoby Jones homered. Uh, it's nice to see. Look, what the hell do you make out of these games? This is the thing. You watch a game like that or you hear you know the, the reports of a game and you go, this is great. Jacoby Jones demonstrates some power. He hits a home run. That sounds great. But after all, this is just an exhibition game against a bunch of college kids. Uh, you got to temper expectations a little bit, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You're looking at, I don't know, some guys, I guess. The, some of the younger guys, it's always nice to see how they do. Uh, Joe Jimenez struck out the side after he allowed a home run. Yeah. Uh, Jairo, Jairo Laborte walked a couple guys, but also had a couple strikeouts, which is good. Uh, and then a bunch of the other guys who we don't know got into the game. Who's this other guy? Riordan? I don't even know who that is. I... There's, another, there's another guy that we just don't know who he is. But he got in the game. Did they like pull him off of Florida Southern's roster and put him on the Tigers for a day? It's just, uh, I mean, they're they're talking to all sorts of people, right? They're going to you know Tim Lincecum's workout. They just signed Bobby Parnell. There's I mean, all kinds of weird transactions happening. So yeah, you never know. He might have come off of a, the Florida team, and now he's with the Tigers, and they're whatever. I don't like you said. There were there were some highlights. I liked. Uh, I liked the outing from Joe Jimenez. That's that's really cool to see. Of course, again, you got to temper that and say, well, they were college kids. I'm not sure you want to extrapolate too much from that. But yeah, he was that, doing that college kids all last year too. Right, right. So. But this was such a Jimenez outing. I have to say, having watched him and watched this guy is, uh, I, what's what's the word I'm looking for? He's just he's so bombastic. I don't know. He like he's a presence. So it, it's it's such a Jimenez outing. To just, you know, boom, there's a home run. That got your attention. Oh, now I'm going to strike out the side. And, uh, you know, we did see some of that in West Michigan last year. He had a huge K per nine rating. But at the same time, if, if um, he throws a lot of those fastballs, and if, you know, the batter is able to kind of square that up, they, they hit a couple dingers off of him. And they will continue to do that if he doesn't, uh, I don't know, start to mix in some off-speed pitches a little bit better. So... That's exactly what we're looking at for Joe Jimenez, a guy who throws a lot of heat and really needs to develop a changeup. Um, what was the deal with Hyrule Labort? He like couldn't hit the strike zone or something. Well, that's kind of the just the whole scouting report on him. Really, is that he has a lot of control problems, but can throw you know ninety six, ninety seven from the left side. So if he figures it out, look out. I heard a lot about the the heat that he was throwing. That was a big thing. You know, the big power arm. And yet there was like two wild pitches or something to that effect, a wild pitch and a passed ball. Oh, I didn't see that. I uh, just saw walked a couple guys. No, there were, 
I don't know how they classified it. There was at least a wild pitch and a pass ball, if not two wild pitches. However, they ended up classifying that. And I know at one point somebody tweeted that he had thrown like nine balls in a row, that balls is in non-strikes. So he was definitely uh, struggling there, you know, at, at, at certain points. But like I said, he seemed to rebound from it. He got a couple strikeouts and um, it's a college game. So not really, not really expecting a whole lot of, you know, I'm not expecting much out of Labor to begin with. Are you? No, but when you see him compared to, you know, someone like Francisco Liriano, as far as like what his ceiling could be, that's exciting. So you hope that it happens, but I'm not necessarily expecting much out of him. True, true. I, I, I guess I get a little more excited about seeing guys like Joe Jimenez go out there and do what he did and kind of dominate, strike out the side, that kind of thing. It's it's a little more exciting. I'm, I expect a higher ceiling for him. Uh, let's talk a little bit about today's game, which was actually streamed. It was on the radio. It was great to hear Dan Dickerson and Jim Price, although I have to say, hilariously, the second they got on the air and Dan was about to... Yeah, he's doing his introduction thing, you know? Hello and welcome from Joker Merchant Stadium. It's a beautiful day. He says... And I'm here, as always, he was about to say with my partner, Jim Price, but he couldn't even get to the word Jim before Jim jumped in and stepped on his toes. Oh, yeah, baby. Well, there it is. Jim Price is back. And as always, <laughs> cannot, cannot follow the, the timing, the rhythm. He's just he's horrible at that. Uh, it was so good to hear them call the game, though. Uh, let's talk about what happened today. I'm going to have to kind of do a quick refresher because I didn't actually take any notes on this one. They lost. Uh, apparently, Vimar hit a homer. That's Vimar cool. Did hit a home run. Uh, he had an at bat. I think he's yes. He got a base hit. And I remember Dan Dickerson, uh, kind of you know being excited about the fact that he did hit a hard line drive base hit. So that's the kind of swing. That's the kind of hit you want to see. And they were supposed to pull him out of the game, and he convinced Brad Osmus to let him stay in for one more at bat. At he which, had three at bats today. Yeah, he did. He sure did. I think he walked in the first one. No, he grounded a double play. Oh, that's right. Jeez, no! In my mind, I had replaced that with a walk, and then you lost just the trade. Destroyed that whole facade for me. That's right. Yes, first inning. Uh, Justin Upton walked. Miggy walked, and the it was it was getting exciting there for a second, and then uh, Vmart grounded into that double play, and all the feelings came rushing back from last year. And it's just it you can't avoid that though, can you? No, not really. I mean, so. It's, I think I think Kyle Lobstein struck out J.D. Martinez. Yes. Yes, he did. I think he got him swinging, too. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Ah, it's Not just... promising. Justin Upton has two strikeouts mm-hmm. so far. Ugh. Rough start. It is. And I think we should start to get a little bit concerned about that. because this team's going to suck. Yeah. If they're not going to you know sweep in spring training and go undefeated, then what real hope do they have of doing anything in the regular season. Well, spring training results predict regular season results, so... Yeah, I, I read that somewhere just recently. Wasn't that in the, Dep- the Detroit Free Press? Are we going to talk about that total ass article? <laughs> now we are, yes. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely we are. It was awful. I don't even... I, don't, I, I like even feel bad for like saying the guy's name because it was just bad. <laughs> okay. I don't want to trash the guy, but it was just a terrible article. The, the the whole, I guess, thesis of the article is the, the guy, and no, we don't need to name names because it's, you know, it's, I don't want to pick on the guy, but yeah, this was this was stupid. Went through, I think, the last uh, four years, five years, I think, back to 2011 and kind of tallied up the spring training record and tried to show some correlation between the spring training record for the team and the regular season record for the team. 
and then tried to make the argument that, yeah, in fact, it does seem to predict the results of the regular season. Because after all, in 2015, it was like the first year, you know, in the previous five or whatever, that they had posted a losing record or not great winning record in spring training. And lo and behold, they went on to lose the season. I I see the connection, don't you? I mean, all you have to point at is the Lions going 4-0 in 2008 and then going 0-16 in the regular season to show that preseason doesn't mean anything in yeah. any sport. But that's football. This is baseball. So, it's different. So doesn't matter. No, this is it, it does matter. I'm, this is a completely logical argument, and we're talking about baseball. You can't compare it to football. This guy had a point. Well, it is I mean, a bigger sample size. That's right. And those numbers, you can't you can't deny. I'm just I couldn't believe I was reading it because at the same moment, you know, I'm just processing the results of the previous day's game and they played against, uh, you know, the college. I think Miggy got one at bat in that game. I think he got maybe two at bats today. Did he get as many as three? I don't even know. Nope, he had one at bat or no, he had two. He walked. Okay, so he got two plate appearances, one at bat. Two, sorry, plate appearances. Uh, today, but this is the point. Like in a spring training game, you hardly ever have the core squad go out there. In fact, do you ever have the core squad go out there and play a full nine innings where you have your starting pitcher go at least six and then go to the bullpen and have all your starters play all nine like you would in a regular game? I don't think you do. I think in most. Maybe like right at the end? I don't even know if starters start to ramp up a little bit towards the end, but. Yeah. Most of spring training is just, it's uh, regimented, you know, it's planned. You're going to go out there, you're going to play for your two innings or three innings or whatever it is, and then we're going to pull you no matter how you're performing because we're just trying to get reps at this point. And yeah, I mean, the starters aren't even at the stadium by the time the game is over. See, that's that's the thing. So how in the world do you then try to calibrate something off of those results saying, yeah, this was like, this game series of games was played by half an MLB squad and the other half was a triple A squad, if not double A squad. And then try to extrapolate from that and say, this, uh, this is going to predict your, well, if you have nothing else to write about, I mean, it is spring training. Yeah, but there's, you know, there's trying to come up with content and scraping the bottom of the barrel. And then there's just freaking making shit up just out of whole cloth. That was, that's probably the most entertaining thing I've read in like, I don't know, two months of, off-season nothingness it's great baseball's back <laughs> thank god for that oh yes so let, let's let's talk about this though for a second because i alluded to it earlier uh just kind of you know wrap with me for a minute on your your philosophy of watching spring training and what you take away from it and what you don't take away from it because obviously as we're saying it's it's not meaningful baseball at the same time you know it is a, a sneak preview of the things that certain players can and can't do. I mean, at what point do you kind of say, okay, it means something now that say, uh, JD Martinez has struck out in his last seven at bats. Is that a problem? I mean, does it ever become a problem? Does this, does none of this matter ever? I don't think it matters ever for like a lot of the established guys. Like remember a few years ago when Johnny Peralta, I think he like went the entire spring training without a hit or something like that. Like I didn't get a hit or had like one hit the entire spring or whatever. And then he hits like 300 and goes to the all-star game or whatever. Right. Like the, for the established guys, it means absolutely nothing. I think Verlander got shelled one year and, you know, was dominant and won the MVP. Um, but I, I actually do like watching some of the, some of the younger guys, guys that are battling the mate squad because their performances do matter a little bit more in terms of, you know, how they're going to do when they're, uh, up at the big league level, if they even make it to the big league level, things like that. Um, so it's fun. It's fun to watch them in some of the later innings, especially now that we have you know a few prospects and we can actually watch sure. these guys. 
that'll be fun to see tomorrow to see who gets into the game. Um, cause it's, you know, a lot of times it's our first look at some of these guys too. So while it may not necessarily be the most representative take on, on what we're going to get from some of these guys, it's, it's still fun to watch. Um, but most of all, I just enjoy it cause it's baseball and it hasn't been on for however long. So whenever I do get to watch it, it's fun. And we had an opportunity today, I think, uh, even though it wasn't on TV, but we, the performance still happened, and we got a chance to see uh, both Matt Boyd start the game, and we also got to see a little bit from Michael Fulmer in this game. And I don't, I don't know. I wasn't terribly. I know it's just the one outing, and it's just a couple of innings. But you know, Matt Boyd didn't. I don't. I don't know if he was like. It's early. I know it's like the first game and whatever. But he gave up like a home run and. Uh, seemed to be struggling with the control a little bit. I just. I wasn't like blown away watching this prospect, you know, deal with actual major league hitters. You know, on the other hand, Michael Fulmer seemed to be dominating. I know Dan and Jim were extremely impressed with, with what they were seeing out of him. Uh, I don't know. I'm not really torn either way. I tend to ignore any sort of results from like the first week. Uh, that said, we'll, we'll probably post something on the site about it because, you know, page views and whatnot. But well, people want to talk. We want. Yeah. We... Well, no, it's fun. It's fun to do that. Uh, we may do. I don't know. I've tried. To, I've tried to debate like how exactly I want to write something like that. Uh, do I do like stock up, stock down? One of <laughs> one of the ideas I idea. had was like stock up and like you know write of you know all the players that performed well and then list Miguel Cabrera and the rationale is because he's Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> right. Stock so is always up. Maybe maybe that's one of the things we do, but um, but yeah, as far as like actual results go, the first week is just kind of like getting back into it. Yeah, like you know, the first week when you start a job or whatever, you, you don't know what you're doing. You just try to survive, make it to Friday, and you're good. Well, I I do. I dominate immediately from the second I walk in till the second I leave. You have 110 percent. 100. I leave it all on the office desk. Always grinding. Always <laughs> with grit and heart. Uh, yeah, and I'm a good. A uh, good teammate and uh, clubhouse presence as well. Jeez, uh, that's that's a good for the recaps. Uh, the rest of the week, uh, of course, Wednesday's game is the first one that's actually going to be on TV. It's on Fox Sports Detroit. Mario and Pemba, Rod Allen, back in the booth. Is tomorrow's let's squad game? Yes. No. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Looking at it now, they play the Yankees, and that one's the one on TV. And then they play the Pirates again, and I don't know which game's where. It doesn't say on MLB. Maybe they're both away. Maybe they're both at home. Who knows? But the Tigers play the Yankees on TV. This is the important point. We yes. Get, we get to play against the Yankees. You get It's going to be on TV. I don't care who they play. It's on TV. And I think it's also going to be on the radio for those who want to actually listen to it live. If you're, It is. Yep. I think, yeah, because I thought Dan Dickerson said today that, he, that they were going to be doing something like up through Monday, I think, all the games this week are on the radio. I don't remember exactly, but there's a... a Good number of them are going to be on the radio as well. If you want to listen live during the work day, um, when you actually should be listening to this podcast, um, but you know, do what you want to do. You know, what I spent I would spend money on if they put the camera just like on top of the press box or whatever and showed that, and then simulcast that with Dan Dickerson announcing. That'd be great television. I'm I'd watch completely that. cool with that. Just put a camera anywhere. For that. Put a, put a camera anywhere in the park. I don't care. You know, stick it out in a bush in center field somewhere way back. I'll still watch that and listen to Dan Dickerson. That'd be cool. All day. Oh, man. Drew Martinez did hit that home run, and you got to hear Dan Dickerson do the thing. He actually did the thing. I wasn't in the room when it happened. I was, like, I was in the upstairs level of the house, but I had the game playing on the stereo. And you can't hear anything. Like the, the, That's how low the volume was. 
you know, I couldn't hear any any of the game while I was upstairs. And then all of a sudden, I just hear way back, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" Someone just broke into my house. <laughs> Realized what it was. <laughs> like, oh my god, the Tigers just hit a home run. That was Dan Dickers. I had to run downstairs and find out what happened. We're I did, about we're about four hours past that, right? Uh, yeah, the How erection did go away, so okay, good. I, I didn't have to call the doctor. I'm I'm good. All right, I good. did post that link. I caught, I captured the audio, put it up on my Chirbit site, and posted it out on Twitter. I'll probably repost it again tomorrow just to kind of get people excited again. But yeah, back on uh, back on the wagon there too. So yeah, Wednesday's game on TV. Uh, Friday, Justin Verlander is going to make his spring training debut versus the Yankees, and then and then Saturday, right? Dun dun dun. Saturday is what we're looking for. Yes, Jordan Zimmerman's facing the Nationals because that just sounds awesome. <laughs> cool um, we will we will do our best to keep him away from Jonathan Papelbon, but I don't know. <laughs> it, it's always fun to see like what happens like when players face their former teams. Hopefully, Zimmerman gets to pitch in DC this year. I think that would be pretty cool. That would be most excellent. But we'll we'll see what happens with that. But you know, I thought it was just kind of interesting that the Tigers. You know, maybe they they map this out as far as like getting Zimmerman to start on, you know, the second game of the year, and they're looking ahead to it like that and counting down the days and whatever. I think they just intentionally did it so that he could start against the Nationals. I, I think that's as, as solid a theory as any. I think it's just cool that it's happening, whether they planned it that way or not. It's it's a neat way to start out spring training. He gets to face his old squad. I wish I had the schedule in front of me. Um, the Wednesday game is the only one on TV this week, though, isn't it? Yes, Thursday is not on TV, Friday is not on TV, although they may, I don't know, I'm just looking, I'm clicking through MLB's site right now, like where I click on games to watch them on MLB TV, mm-hmm. and the only things that are listed are like the next day, so right. March 2nd has all the information up, March 3rd, there's nothing, like none of these games are on or anything like this according to this, so maybe they're just updating it one day at a time. Yeah, and I did put together that uh, the, the broadcast schedule uh, for the site, and I I want to say the the Fox Sports games. I think there's like maybe one a week, maybe two next week. There's one week, like third week of March, where they're going to be on three days, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be at the sports bar instead of working like I should be. But they're doing that like while I'm on vacation. This sucks. Well, where are you not going to Michigan? No, I'm going to Cabo. <laughs> so well then, all right, yeah. okay. Not going to be worried about baseball then, are you? Nope. Okay. I am okay with that. So uh, let's wrap up this warming in the pen segment. When we get back, we'll go high and tight and delve a little deeper into the spring training storylines that we are watching right after the break. The 3-2, swinging a fly ball, center field. This one's deep, going back, Borges at the warning track, looking up, and it's gone! A home run! Amazing. How about it? First chance to hit 400, and Miguel Cabrera delivers in his first at-bat of the day. Well, welcome back from the break as we go into the high and tight segment. We've been talking about the spring training games and what we're watching, what we're seeing from the players, the performances, but let's dig a little bit deeper into the so-called storylines. Um, and I know we've talked about this in, in past uh, podcasts, but... You know, you think about the fact that we're starting to see some of the performances from guys like Michael Fulmer. We we already saw uh, Matt Boyd pitched today, uh, and and the results that came out of that. Who are you looking for? Who's who's the guy you want to see that you're rooting for, looking for in spring training this year? Because I can already tell you, I'm I'm sitting here with bated breath, going, when is Michael Gerber going to get his first appearance? Well, he played in uh, Monday. He did. Yeah, he had an at bat. 
He got a hit. Or no, he had a yeah, he, he had two at bats. He had a hit and a walk. Are you kidding and he me? He scored a run. Yeah. See, this is what happens when they don't stream the game or put it on TV. There's no way to follow it. He's batting a thousand this spring. Well, there you go. Man. Okay. I'm still looking forward to actually like seeing him or at least hearing the the audio. <clears throat> yeah. No audio. That one. Sorry. Nope. Nope. But anyway, um, as far as like someone I'm looking forward to seeing, um, yeah, Gerber's one of them. Um, I'm excited to see some of the guys like Joe Jimenez pitch for the first time because you get, you know, you get to watch him in, uh, in West Michigan last year. But, um, a lot of the prospects, you know, Gerber, Jimenez, Kevin Zomek, Zomek, how do you say that? Zomek. Zomek? Yeah. Kevin Zomek. Um, he got to start that first game and pitched pretty well from what it seems. I know how to pronounce it, but I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I honest to God don't know what happened when I typed that name into the post. My instincts kicked in, and I, I put a CK at the end. It's just that's what happens. Anyway, sorry. So, um, but yeah, I'm excited to see him, especially because he had a pretty solid year at Lakeland last year, and this year could kind of be one of those years with Zomic to see if he's kind of the real deal as far as prospect goes. Um, you know, that jump to double A is the toughest one in the minor leagues. Uh, so if he pitches well for Erie this year, you know, the Tigers could have something on their hands as far as another back end starter there. You know, maybe he ends up being another one of these kind of mad boy, Buck Farmer, Kyle Ryan types, but still it's, it's nice to see, you know, he was a second or third round pick and you know, they, a lot of people seem to think he could stick in the back end of a rotation. So we'll see what we get with him. As I said earlier, Matt Boyd also pitched today, and we've we've heard some things coming from, I think Brad Osmus said that he really, really liked what, what he was seeing from Matt Boyd's slider. Apparently he's trying to improve that pitch. Now, I know it's just the one game we saw today. I didn't see anything from Matt Boyd that made me think, oh, wow, yeah, great. He's really, you know, pulled it together. But again, it's it's one game. It's a couple innings. It's on the radio. I didn't get actually to see any of the pitches that he threw. Uh, is that someone that you're thinking maybe has a shot at making the Major League roster? We'll see if he has a shot at the major league roster. It seems like Boyd is like one of those guys that they want to give more innings to. Um, and if like any of, of like any of these like potential starters slash bullpen guy in camp, like the Shane Greens and the Michael Fulmers and the Buck Farmers, it seems like Boyd is the most likely to go to Toledo to be, you know, to stay stretched out as a starter. He seems like kind of like the long-term option. Like if someone goes down to injury, you call up Boyd and you have him make four or five starts. Um I think that he still needs to work on that command. Um, you know, we, we, we've heard good things about the slider, but uh, one of our writers, Jeff Roberts, did a great post over the weekend that pointed out that his slider was actually his best pitch last year. Um, and it was the other two that really kind of stunk. So hope we're kind of hoping that, like, this is almost kind of like a little backwards improvement in that, you know, the slider sets up the better other pitches better, and he's able to, you know, either locate those better or get hitters guessing on those a little bit more. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens with that, but... It'd be nice to see him put up some some better numbers and at least go to the season with a little bit more confidence. All right, Boyd Schmoyd. Let's talk about who we really want to get to here. That's Michael Fulmer, and he made his first appearance today. And we've been hearing so much about this guy. He's like you know top, if you know if not top five, top ten on several of the Tigers' prospect lists. Um, really excited to see what he's going to be doing this year, and, and to even hear. Again, the game was only streamed on audio today. There was no visual, but even to hear Dan and Jim, you know, the the tone of voice that they were using and respond, you know, responding to his performance. At one point, Dan said, "Holy cow! He had 96 on the gun. That is just a power arm." Uh, I want to say you've probably got the stats right there, but I think he struck out at least a couple that first inning that he pitched. Um, yeah, he had a couple strikeouts. Seemed to, uh, you know, it was, it was a nice first outing. 
do you, you want to see him succeed to the point that he makes the big league club this year? You're thinking he's the one you want to keep in your back pocket, let him develop, bring him up in 2017. See, that's kind of one of the things that I'm thinking with, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to wish ill on a guy, but um, with Fulmer, it's kind of a catch-22 that the Tigers are in. You know, do does he perform well and they bring him up right away and he pitches out of the back end of the bullpen for a year or, or what have you? Um, or do you hope that he struggles a little bit, gets sent down to the minors and logs a few more of those innings? Um, you know, it'd be nice to see him kind of build on last year's inning count. I think he only pitched like 110 or 120 innings so if you get him in the minors this year and get him closer to that like 140 150 mark you know maybe he's able to really kind of step into the rotation next season and give you closer to a full season's worth of innings uh that would be nice to see uh another thing that i've also kind of you know thought about with him is the service time implications of this you know if they call him up right away that starts his service time clock and you know even if he does go back to the minors and you know kind of delays some of that timing there uh it would be nice to see the tigers almost think a little bit more long term with him uh in that you know maybe if he's not up for the full year in 2016 that they get an extra quote-unquote extra year of club control on the back end of his service time so that you know when he's hitting his mid-20s and in that prime they're they're able you know to squeeze an extra season out of him. Uh, and one of the reasons that I kind of point that out is because you take a guy like Nick Castellanos, who has struggled throughout his, the early part of his career. Um, you know, the Tigers called him up towards the tail end of 2013 for a month, and he didn't really do much. I mean, he had like a few at-bats or whatever. And then he gets called up right at the start of the season in 2014. Uh, and so he's going to spend, you know, just over six seasons with the Tigers before he hits free agency per MLB service time rules. But had they played it a little bit closer to the vest, had they not called him up in 2013 and then Chris Bryanted him for the start of 2014, hmm. calling him up, hmm. whatever, you know, like 10, 15 days after the start of the season, they would have able to, they would have been able to squeeze an extra season out of him so that instead of hitting free agency as of tw- the end of 2019, he would be under control for the 2020 season as well and given how he's kind of progressed and what we think is going to happen with him potentially uh you know with the bat this season that could be huge to have an extra year of that guy at the tail end of this uh and it's kind of unfortunate that the tigers weren't necessarily thinking that long term at that point how did nick perform today i kind of lost track of that i know yesterday he was one of the ones who actually knocked in an rbi and it was nice to see him getting hits even if it was just against college pitching but did uh I, I kind of lost track of what he accomplished today. He struck out twice. I'm going to go back and uh, edit that part out, and uh, the the question will not appear on the podcast because trying to keep it upbeat. But Casey McGee made an appearance. He McGee, did. McGee 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 made an appearance, and how did that end? Uh, he had a walk. There's a lot of that going around today. <laughs> I felt like a lot of guys just took their walks, and it was cool. You know what, you know what I heard that some people are trying to make his name his nickname uh yes yes it's so inappropriate it's hits mcgee uh, yeah it's kind of funny <laughs> come on it's kind of funny all right i i, I guess there's like you know three percent comedic value there i guess maybe it's gonna be a meme you realize that right i mean i'm sure it already is but it's gonna be a meme in in tiger fandom Oh, especially if he gets called up, we'll make the meme. Well, of course we will. We're going to launch it. Might as well jump on that. Foist it upon the world. If you can't beat them, lead them, right? Wait, no, Cassianos didn't strike out twice. He just left two guys on base. Well, that's that's different then. It is. 
Did he did he at least take a walk? Did he get a hit? I, I should know this. I had the game on, but I was trying to work at the same time. So Oh, he just got out twice and left two guys on base. Scrub. All right, send him back. Send him back down. Let's get a real third baseman on this team. Where was I? I don't even remember. Oh, right, storylines. People were watching. People were rooting for uh, another big name. Big name. <laughs> right. The guy that I want to see and what he's doing in spring training is Shane Green. We talked last week about the fact that he uh, still has the, the blood clots. They haven't you know, worked their way out of a system or dissolved or whatever it is that blood clots do. They get called away to their home planet. I don't know. Uh, but it, he's still dealing with them. So it's going to be interesting to see a couple of performances out of him this spring and see if that's impacting his pitching at all. It will be. Um, you know, we've heard good things so far, but he hasn't faced anyone in spring training yet. When's he supposed to pitch? Do we know? The hell if I know. You you seem to know where this stuff is. I don't even know where to look. Well, I follow some of the beat writers on Twitter, and you unfollow. I don't. Them, so <laughs> it's true. I, I think I... Jason Beck tweeted about it, uh, like, several days ago, so it's probably buried under 300,000 tweets by this point, but... And it's nothing against the beat writers. It's not. It really isn't. But I was following like 10 of them, and they were all tweeting the exact same thing at the exact same time. So They do that, and they, they live-tweet the spring training games, which is just awful. So you can't follow any of right. them. Right. So the timeline just went crazy, and I said, okay, I'm going to back this down to just one. And I followed one beat writer, and that was James Schmel from MLive, and he's not there anymore. So I realize now that I actually don't have any beat writers in my follow list. And this got to get back. He's usually... Before anyone else, anyways. All right, back it is then. So yeah, uh, did you happen to see there if, when Shane Green is going to pitch? I can't find Green, but I know that Norris is starting on Thursday. Berlander Friday, Zimmerman Saturday. I'm seeing that right now. So Norris is going on. Th- that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, Pelfrey starts Wednesday. Jesus, seriously, Pelfrey starting the game that's on TV. Yeah, come on. That's right. That's right. The baseball gods like me at least for this brief moment in time it's exactly what phil coke's brain said or comerica eric we're supposed to yes. say now is? um <laughs> is that every game you go to this season michael Fulm, i mean uh mike pelfrey will be the one starting you personally just anyone if you go to if you go to a game pelfrey's gonna start oh that's i see i see yes if he's... i go to the game pelfrey's gonna start <laughs> every game kurt goes to pelfrey's gonna start and he's gonna get blown up for eight runs because kurt went he's that guy blame kurt and that's unfortunate because no, what that means is because I'm the guy that actually wants to see Pelfrey. That means that the game that I go to will be the one he doesn't start because that's how this wheel of suck works. You're gonna get Matt Boyd. I'm gonna get Matt Boyd because I'm not really excited about Matt Boyd. Honestly, though, anybody in that rotation, I'm gonna be excited to see. I think. The game I went to last year, Alfredo Simon started. Ouch. You know, yeah. I think I saw him too. Yeah, I but saw him at. Uh, it was in the beginning of the season when he was pitching well, so they won. Right. Yeah, I saw him in June at uh, U.S. Cellular, and they actually won that game. Although he gave up several runs, and they relied on their offense to to beat him. But there, there it was. He, it was like six innings, one run. They beat the Indians. Well, there it is. See, it's not all bad. No, no, what was bad was the year, the beginning of the 2014 season. I actually had tickets to go in April and see. Uh, I think Anibal Sanchez was supposed to start that game. And that was, uh, you know, we had that horrible cold freeze going on at the beginning of that year. So that game actually got frozen out. They canceled the game because it was going to be below freezing all day. And so when they rescheduled the game in the summer, it happened to be as part of a doubleheader. And so we go to the game. I'm all excited, you know, and it's Drew Verhagen making his, like, debut start. I was so mad. I was so huh. upset. <laughs> so, oh, well. At least Corey Kluber pitched for the Indians that day. So 
I only went to I think one game that year too. It was in Baltimore, and that was the that was the game that uh, Cabrera hit that three run homer. Yes, off Tommy Hunter in the that ninth, was wasn't awesome. it? Yes, in the ninth. Yeah, the stadium's going nuts, and then he hits this bomb, and <laughs> I celebrated a lot, <laughs> and then had to run out of the stadium. Yeah, I I had you know I was with a few of my friends, Bud, Bud, and Bud. <laughs> That's a beer joke. And I, yeah. All right. Is there anybody else that you're looking for this spring? I've, I've mentioned uh, Gerber being one of them. I, I guess apparently he played on Monday and I sort of missed it because there was no way to even track that game. Uh, but I'm still looking forward to being able to actually watch him, you know, on, on TV. Uh, Winton Bernard was in the game today. That was kind of cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're certainly going to want to be tracking Nick Castellanos. I'm, predicting good things for him this year anybody else you're excited to kind of check out not necessarily um you know a couple of guys that got into today's game towards the end uh, a couple prospect paul volker one that we've kind of been on and then another guy Artie lewicki who is apparently oh yeah um you know the he was a fourth or no he was an eighth round pick in 2014 um has a pretty good arm but apparently he was struggling with some i and i may be getting the wrong guy here but he was struggling with like an illness last year and like lost some weight and lost some you know velocity off his fastball but like once he like started to come around this was the thing that was affecting him for like a couple months and then like once he started to come around the fastball started to come back and the results started to come back so we'll see what happens with him but this is apparently this is a guy that can you know kind of maybe be fast tracked to the big leagues if he figures it out so could be fun to see someone like that pop up in the in a game or two i think i saw him once maybe twice in west michigan this past year and couldn't tell you a damn thing about it so that's how memorable that experience was apparently whatever he was doing was not like earth shattering but like you said he might have been on the rebound from something i just uh i'm wondering if he'll end up back in west michigan to start this season maybe yeah and there's like three guys in the system like there's three relievers or something like that there's like an Artie, and there's adam and there's like an aaron they're all started with a and one of them had some sort of like stomach virus or whatever i can't remember who not entirely sure but yeah these are the names to kind of keep an eye on these are the prospects and the players that you want to see you know how they're going to unfold and blossom through spring training. But remember, you just can't take any of it seriously because none of it means jack squat. Nope. As long as all limbs are intact, we're good. That's the only goal of spring training. Win-loss record does not matter. The stats don't matter. They just wipe those in April anyway. As long as you get to the clubhouse in Detroit, all the arms accounted for, all the legs accounted for, I'm happy. Sounds good. All right. Let's wrap up high and tight. When we come back, we'll take our listener questions in our Into the Mob Scene at Home segment. And uh, we're going to talk about power ranking ballpark food when we do that right after the break. Swing the fly ball left field. Deep going back. Cabrera looking up. And it's gone. A home run. James McCann with the walk-off winner. Number three. Rounding third. Exchanges the low 10 with Dave Clark and into the mob scene at home. And so into the mob scene at home, we go. This is the portion of the show where we take questions from our listeners and we might have to just stop doing this, honestly, because it seems now after what we did last week, we did the lightning round and uh, now we got to do it again. Nah, okay. That's, that's, let's just not do listener questions anymore. I, I mean, can, I can write questions. I'll write questions. I'll just maybe quiz you on. So it could be like tiger trivia time. How about that? 
Or we could like challenge them to come up with better questions. <laughs> It's not, it's it's not that they're bad questions. It was there's just a lot of them, uh, but no, seriously, we appreciate the interaction. We really do. It, it gives us something to you know joke about and goof around. So we appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can leave the comments at the website blessyboys.com. We usually put a post up asking for the questions. We ask for these. We do this to ourselves. You can also find us on Twitter at blessyboys at hookslidebyb at bybrob or send an email to bybtigers at gmail.com. Let's dig in. Robert Loman asks, the Pirates have started to paint themselves into a corner with Garrett Cole. What kind of a trade offer would it take to start the conversation? Um, everyone at Toledo. Everyone that's... at Erie. Pretty much that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's... There's nothing we have that they want i mean you're really looking at you're looking at something like a kind of like the david price deal which kind of gutted the major league roster too right i mean you'd have to throw in like michael fulmer would be an obvious one you'd probably have to throw in fulmer you're probably looking at someone like stewart or jacoby jones i don't know if they'd want jones back but uh whatever um someone like that or bo or bo burrows um and then you're probably looking at someone from the major league roster too, like Jose Iglesias or someone like a big piece right there. Cause Garrett Cole's a legit ace and is under club control for like three or four more seasons. And those guys don't come cheap. And then there's a reason that the pirates are being so stingy about his salary right now, which is dumb. But, um, you know, in general, they're, they're not going to, you know, part with him for, for no reason at all. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily so much in the mood to say, gut the major league roster and give up all of our top prospects that we just got into the system um no let's not let's not do that okay okay i don't know how to pronounce this this next name therian blevins terrian the, blevins the the, the ryan, ryan blevins god damn it if, if people would use capitalization in the right spots it's called camel case just capitalize the first letter of the word that, yeah okay the ryan blevins god no i feel like a dick says what are the chances that jacoby jones makes an appearance on the tigers roster after his suspension what position does he profile at shortstop or outfield jones has been playing some shortstop in the minor leagues but by the sounds of it it doesn't necessarily seem like he's like a viable candidate to stick there long term you know he could be kind of your i hesitate to say ben soberis type who moves everywhere but that's kind of your you know the you know, the guy to compare him to right now. Um, Jones's game is different, but he does play multiple positions, so he could play maybe some shortstop. I don't know if he plays second base or third base or anything like that, um, but he could play anywhere in the outfield. He is rangy enough to play center field uh, by all accounts. Um, but as far as making an appearance on the Tigers roster, I think it would be like maybe a September call-up, if anything. I'm trying to think now, back is it's so hard to keep some of these um, prospect profiles sorted in my head i'm trying to remember what his uh big tool was the one that they really liked wasn't it his it was his hit tool wasn't it a kind of power and speed type thing the hit tool is okay but it's more like the power speed power. combination yeah well that explains why he hit a home run in the spring training game then yeah and i i'm not sure i couldn't really tell you uh what you know how how his uh how his defense looks but yeah everything that i've heard is you know he's kind of a utility guy so you know I would assume he's okay at playing those positions as long as he can like play him as well as Andrew Romine and, and hit better than Romine. Hey, if he wants to turn into like our next Tony Phillips, 
rest in peace. That'd be great. I would be great with that. Next question. J underscore 32 says, if Tim Lincecum shows that he still has decent stuff, do you think the Tigers will try to sign him and put him in the bullpen? Well, there's like a whole history behind that question, isn't there? Yeah, with Lincecum, he's had a lot of difficulties. I mean, over the last four years, he's been awful. Um, but he used so to be awesome. He did used to be awesome, but that's, you know, we're going on five years removed from that now. And he had off-season hip surgery, which is apparently supposed to clear up some of the, you know, issues that he had. Um, I'm not buying it. His velocity has been trending downwards. He was in like the 87, 88 range last year. He's, you know, more Jared Weaver than, than anything at this point. Um, so not a bad thing, though. I mean, Weaver's well, still a pretty effective pitcher. Eh, Jared Weaver wasn't that great last year either, yeah, although sure I could enough. be wrong. Um, but, you know, with, with Linsencom, he's hosting the showcase in Arizona. Um, and, you know, apparently there are going to be a lot of teams there. Uh, I think someone said, you know, as many as 20 teams at this thing. And, you know, other teams just have more need for a guy like that at this point. You know, there may be someone willing to, you know, throw a, something, you know, give him a spot on their rotation. You know, if you're a, a team that looks to be rebuilding, maybe you give Linscom a few million dollars to be in your rotation, rebuild some value, and then you flip him to a contender at the deadline if he does well. I think that's a little bit more valuable than a team looking to return to contention like the Tigers taking a flyer on him and hoping that he pitches well. I think that, uh, you know, some other team's going to give him a guaranteed contract and are just going to give him a, you know, a better and more enticing package than Tiger saying, eh, maybe you can be in our bullpen. Yeah. I'm not sure he would want to come over, you know, for that kind of a, that kind of a package deal. And I think the bullpen thing is because, I mean, did he ever pitch in the bullpen outside of that horrible world series in 2012 that we won't talk about? He had a few appearances out of the bullpen in 2014, but otherwise it's been all starts. Okay. Yeah, then I, I don't think he would necessarily be interested in that, although I, I don't know. I guess if he did, that's... Uh, yeah. I, it all depends on what the showcase looks like, I guess. The Tigers are going. They're going to go check him out because I think you have to. I think you have to... You know, what's the phrase being thrown around? Due diligence, right? It would be stupid not to go and see what, you know, what comes of it, but I don't really have high expectations for any of that because he's the freak Frogtown fan says say green boyd parnell rondon verhagen and fulmer all look good in spring training and sanchez is healthy again who did the tigers take north and in what roles i.e does someone bump pelfrey or norris man people, I don't... no one is bumping pelfrey I don't think anyone is going to bump Pelfrey or Norris, so I think we can kind of put that issue to bed. Um, as far as all of those guys looking good, I would like to see Parnell and either Rondon or Verhagen come north with the team. Um, Parnell, I think I kind of described last week in that, you know, if he looks good, you can add him to the 40-man roster because you have to take Holiday off anyway, so you're not necessarily, like, costing anyone a spot there, there's going to be that spot available, so you can put them on no problem. And you're able to shuttle some of these other guys to the minor leagues without any issues. Um, I guess I'd say uh, Parnell and Rondon, because then you also bring Rondon up, and if, you know, by some, you know, miracle, he pitches in the big leagues for the entire season, you don't burn an option on him. So, you know, maybe you see if you can squeeze him through the entire year without having to burn an option, and then he has it for a later year. That'd be cool i guess um that's really my only rationale um, again i'm I'm just kind of hoping that parnell pitches well and makes a club because he definitely has a very very high ceiling 
uh, and it's it's nice to hear the things we've heard about him so far this year. Yeah, that's a high ceiling indeed. He was a former closer, and it never hurts to have a couple of those guys you know to choose from out of your out of your bullpen. A for former the game. dominant closer, a I former think dominant. Say. That's a good distinction to make. And so, yeah, if you you can have a couple of those guys to choose from, that's awesome. Um, I'm not sure why the obsession with the question of pumping Palfrey or Norris. Uh, there's just no way. I, I don't see any way in hell that that happens. Um, I, Shane Green would have to pitch out of his freaking mind to knock either of those guys out of the starting rotation. And, I and don't, they have to falter or get hurt, I think. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. So I'm anticipating that we'll see uh, Green will probably go north with the team, um, although Dan Dickerson was quick to point out they're not actually going north, I don't think. They're going south because the first game is in Miami. Same thing. So it, you know what we're saying. Yeah. I think Green's going to make the trip, though. I think he's going to end up in the bullpen. And I hopefully, you know, you see Fulmer go to Toledo and not start the clock on him until they're ready to actually – Get yeah, serious. and like, what's the what's the point of bringing him up in April? I mean, if you, anything, you like keep him in the minors for the year, and then hopefully he turns into kind of a useful bullpen piece in like September and October. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't see the need for him in April. I'd rather see him in the minors. Nope. I mean, we're looking forward to you know good things from him. Love you, Michael, and all that. But uh, you enjoy Toledo for the summer, and we'll see you when the rosters expand in September. All right, uh, last question before we get to yeah, another lightning round because some people just have so much time to ask questions on online. All right, colors you have asked. This is actually last week's question, but I wanted to get to it, and we didn't get to it. Uh, what's your favorite food item at Comerica Park? And I'm kind of curious to hear what your response is on this. Being someone who's out of state, you probably get far fewer opportunities to actually get to Comerica Park. So when you get there, what do you, what do you go for? Well, I thought we were doing a power ranking. Oh, I'm going to power rank them all right, but I want to know well, what, what you what, – coming all the way from D.C. Well, how many are you power ranking? Maybe I want to do a power rank. Okay. I've got 10. You got 10? Yes. Okay. Um, so should we just go back and forth? <laughs> I'll make this up on the spot. You're going to make this up on the spot? Okay. Yep. Okay. Do you want me just to rattle off all 10? No, go like we'll go 10, 10, 9, 9, 9, 8, 8. Okay. Like that. All right, this is it then. Yep. From worst to first, number yes. 10 for me has got to be the queso pork rinds. Pork rinds are made of anger and depression and scorn, and they taste like Satan's discontent. There's not enough queso in the world to make that okay. Do not get the pork rinds. I was going to say nachos. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Except well, like the, that... the nachos, it's usually just like chips and cheese, and they don't put the chips. I mean, they don't put the cheese like all over the chips, and it's just kind of like your top layer is cheese, and the rest is just chips. I'm just remembering that game that you remember that game we went to in 2014 at the BYB meetup. And uh-huh. I had a, I had a plate of nachos and cheese, and, and the woman in front of me flipped her hair back. You were sitting right behind me. You saw and the whole thing. Was... <laughs> <laughs> she flipped her hair over her shoulder, and her her whole f-ing head of hair went right into my nachos. It was awesome, and I didn't I didn't even tell her that it happened. I just moved her hair, and it had like clumps of cheese in it. It was <laughs> sweet. Yeah, so that kind of soured me on on nachos. All right, number nine for me would be the chips and dip dog. I like the idea. They've taken a hot dog, which is good ballpark food. They've covered it in French onion dip and potato chips. It's a good concept. I enjoy the idea of putting like chips on a sandwich. And since a hot dog is a sandwich, it goes together. 
But this is not something that you're going to take back to your seat and be able to eat in peace without spilling it all over the place, without chips falling off of it, because a hot dog is not a sandwich in that it's not like self-contained. You can't do that open top thing. This just it sounds like a good culinary idea, but not it, it's a bad execution idea. See, we used to go to this place in Baltimore that had all these kind of weird hot dogs. Um, this was kind of a, a late night food venue. Um, and they had ones, they had like crab mac and cheese on it. There was one with like a fried egg, fried egg and bacon. Mm. So I'm a little bit more open to that. My number nine is going to be Little Caesars Pizza because it's Little Caesars Pizza. <laughs> okay. Just going to go right for the jugular there. That's fine. Number eight for me would be the Coney Dog. And I know I'm going to get shot. Because so many people in Detroit are like, oh, you got to get the Coney Dog. It's a, it's a thing in Detroit. It's a dog. Yeah, you're, again, you're still in the hot dog realm. It's a good thing for the ballpark. But again, it is a freaking mess. And all the sauce on it and the cheese and everything. And not to gross anyone out here, but the real issue with the Coney Dog is that is a digestive nightmare waiting to happen. That is just indigestion on a bun. And for me, I come from the west side. I've got like a two and a half hour drive. So one of two things is going to happen. Either A, I'm going to eat this thing and it's going to go right through me and I'm going to have to drop a deuce in Comerica Park, which you don't ever want to have to do that no. in their public bathrooms. And then for me, I don't want to have to deal with that on the drive home. I don't want to spend two and a half hours going, oh, God, please get home, get home. No, not not doing it. What are we on, number eight? This is number eight. Number eight is chicken tenders because they're so expensive. It's like 12 bucks. Yeah, this is the ballpark. It's not Applebee's. Yeah, but I mean, still, it's just, it, you know, you can get a lot of other stuff for a lot cheaper. No, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying you oh, get okay. chicken tenders, get them at Applebee's. You're at the exactly. ballpark. What's the, what's the point? I mean, they're not bad. They're just expensive. Number seven would be the Coney Dog Quesadilla. Uh, in this instance, what they've done is they've, they've cleaned up the whole problem with it making a mess. So you can actually eat it at your seat. They've taken all the same ingredients, the dog, the sauce, the onions, the cheese, and they've put it between tortilla and, you know, fried it up in a lovely tender quesadilla. It's a very good idea. Uh, appreciate the, the attention there to detail and, and taking away the mess. The problem still remains. It's it's uh, it's hell on your guts. So that's I've ranked it a little bit higher, but it's still kind of down on the list for me. My number seven is all the gluten-free and vegan stuff because <laughs> of course. it's just it's just not good. I mean, I have no problem with peeing, you know, people doing that. It's just not good. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that if you're into the gluten-vegan stuff baseball is probably not your sport you might be if you have to like, be gluten-free because of like a medical condition okay i feel for you i feel for you thing. but but yeah the but vegan anyone stuff, else why why it's a ball game get a hot dog and if that's not your thing then maybe european soccer is more your sport and you know get into a chai tea and and that sort of Do you thing. know how much beer european soccer fans drink there is that too and it's better yeah, beer so. it's way better beer than you can get at the ballpark too Number six, the poutine dog. Again, we're we're still in the realm of hot dogs. It's still acceptable. Poutine, however, is a Canadian delicacy. It's gravy with melted cheese curds on fries. It's awesome. It is wonderful if you're in Canada. And I have found that only the Canadians really know how to make poutine. So any bizarre American version of this, avoid it like the plague. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Say the poutine dog. Uh, it sounds decent and we'll see i've never had it before so it might be good it might not be number six seems like a good place for that yeah it's it's i think my wife got it last time we were at the park and she let me have a bite and it was just it was sad the gravy is never it's never right i don't know why the americans can't pull this off but it's yeah number five would be the pretzel dog 
I'm gonna. This is higher up on my list because look, pretzel buns are cool. I'm glad that they have invaded planet Earth. I'm glad that everybody is pretzel bunning everything now. You get hamburgers in a pretzel bun. You get the hot dogs in a pretzel bun. So they've taken the dog, they put it in a pretzel bun, smother it lovingly with nacho cheese. That sounds like that a good time. Number five, I'm gonna go with French fries. Kind of a, a nice little staple. They're usually pretty solid. French fries. Okay. Number four would be bacon on a stick. Now, get me wrong, I love bacon. Bacon makes the world go round. The stick is just unnecessary. You're, you're trying to make me hurt myself while I go after the food that I love. Lose Are we doing best and worst here? You're at number four and you're still bagging on stuff. I know, but it's 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 so high because it's bacon. True. This is I, I love bacon. Love the idea. I'm just saying get rid of the stick. That's why it's not number one. It would be number one if it was just, here's a bag full of bacon. Go go have at it. But you put a stick in it, and I'm going to hurt myself. That's why, it's, that's why it's only four. Okay. My number four is the chicken bacon cheddar sandwich. Apparently, this is a new thing this year. I just mm. Googled this and found a website that's detailing new foods, and it looks awesome. So that that's yeah. why. It makes, mm. It's making me hungry right now. I'll try that. My number three is that weird cross-mix bacon hamburger thing where they make the patties out of half ground beef half ground bacon top it with an onion ring they top it with smoked bacon they top it with barbecue sauce it's awesome it would be number one on my list i've had it before the only reason why it had to drop a couple notches is again it's it's the whole cleanliness thing it's not something that you can eat in your seat without making a mess and i don't want to have to pack my body weight in napkins to avoid making a mess in the area see my number three you're supposed to make a mess with and that's peanuts ah very classic classic ballpark food but yes. I am all about you know eating peanuts and making a mess everywhere at a baseball game. Yeah, I should probably clarify then. I don't have a problem making a mess in that sense. Cracking peanut shells, I, I usually tend to just bring sunflower seeds and do that. I don't, I don't have Same a thing. problem making a mess that way. I'm saying I don't want to be spilling shit on myself. I don't want to be spilling coney sauce on me or you know barbecue sauce off a of burger. Oh, no, it's totally, it's totally different. Yeah. Number two, and you're going to disagree because you already ranked it so low. Number two is the Little Caesars pizza. I know it's a little more expensive than you're going to get on the outside, but the fun part is people don't realize when you buy a Little Caesars pizza, you are directly funding players' salaries. And in some cases, if you watch carefully, when you hand the money over the counter, that person will take the money and run it right down to the dugout and hand it directly to Miguel Cabrera. It's a really cool thing. Pizza's number two. Don't all the foods directly fund the players? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Number two, I'm going to go traditional here, and I'm going to say hot dog. And baseball and hot dogs yes are one and the same which is precisely why that is my number one the hot dog and i will include in that the polish sausage is very good at comerica park it's yep. it's just get the polish sausage with some onions get some mustard on it get a lot of mustard on it in fact yep. and you have the perfect ballpark food follow that up with some sunflower seeds mm-hmm. you're good to go yep and my number one is beer <laughs> it's not because a food. <laughs> it counts. It's what I'm buying at the ballpark, so it depends, I guess, on on what beer you get. I mean, I, I mean, would, it's, I would it's turn a, to food if you're getting some of that like high octane craft beer that they sell at Comerica. I've had both. You know, I kind of like the craft beer, but I will say the craft beer lines are long, and you kind of gotta like actually find one. Whereas, like, you know, some of the cheap beer, for one, you're drinking outside and at a baseball game, so it's not as bad as usual. And two, you can get it anywhere. I mean, the beer guys bring it everywhere, so. True, true. Have you seen the uh, the vendor that walks around who looks just like Jose Valverde? No. Look for him next time. I've, I've, I've been to, like, one game in three years. Okay. Well, I, he's there, like, every time. 
over the last what, four years that I've been to the park, he's like, it doesn't matter where I sit. I always see him, and it's hilarious because he looks just like Papa Grande. Hmm. I'd like to like surreptitiously sneak pictures of him and then post it and be like, it's good to see Papa Grande still getting work, that that kind of thing. All right, that is, uh, that's our power ranking of Comerica Park food. Let's lightning round this thing. iPhones are garbage. Thanks for your efforts. Here we go. Over, under on Justin Upton home runs, 25 and a half. Over. Yep, that's an easy over. Who finishes the year with a higher average, Upton or Castellanos? Castellanos. Yeah, yep, I say, say the same. Over, under on Dan Dickerson appearances on the podcast, two and a half. Uh, does the last one count? Yeah, it was the 2016 calendar year, so. All right, over. Uh, see, this isn't really fair because I, I'm the one that sets those interviews up. I, I directly control this over under, so it's it's really not fair for me to even plug this. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say under because we tend to get him usually about twice a year. Once at the beginning of the season, and then we either get him towards the middle or you know after the season's wrapped up. So I would I'll say we'll probably hit two with him if we you just gotta want him more. Yeah, I know it. I know it. The Dan's a busy guy though, trying to keep Jim Price in line all summer long. Uh, do either of you, this is not an over-under question. Cool. Do, you, do either of you travel to see road games? How many stadiums have you been to? I've seen one road Tigers game, and that was at Baltimore. I've also been to PNC Park, which is amazing, and you need to go. Uh, Camden in Baltimore is also awesome, and I've been to Nationals Park in D.C. PNC is Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh, beautiful park. That's what I've heard. I really amazing want to get Amazing park. Uh, yes, I have traveled to see road games. In fact, my son and I kind of make it a... a summer tradition to go over to u.s cellular and catch the tigers when they're there uh kind of fun to, to see it in that atmosphere I, I, I like that park i know people kind of bag on it but i i enjoy it uh, as far as how many stadiums have i been to i mean i know i've been to uh i went to riverfront once oh i've been to uh diamondback stadium in arizona too really that all the way out there that place sucks <laughs> um yeah no i was out there for a vacation we went to a game excellent excellent i think that's all that's all i've been to though it's like a cavern it's kind of just it's dark. It's in the middle of the desert. Yeah, well, I mean, but they have, like, one of those retractable roofs, so it's, like, oh, yeah. really dark in there and just kind of not great for a baseball game. I mean, it was a, you know, a mid-May game between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, so that's probably why no one was excited, but... I mean, I, I haven't been to many stadiums. I have plans. It's on my bucket list. I, I got to go to Wrigley. I got to go to Fenway. I got to go to club PNC. Seats. We got club seats for 20 bucks. For where? To Arizona. You're still on Arizona. Oh, well, <laughs> I, have you been to Fenway? <laughs> no, I've been out. I've been to the outside of Fenway. Have you? Yes. I mean, you're closer to Fenway than I am. There's... It's green. <laughs> no, actually, we're like the same. Really? It's like, yeah. No, it's like an eight hour drive from D.C. to Fenway. I suck at geography. Apparently, I need to look at a map. Uh, but yeah, before I die, I want to go to Fenway, I want to go to Wrigley, I want to go to PNC. Those are the three, and I'm going to do it. One of these days, I'm going to take like an East Coast, or like not East Coast, but an Eastern word journey and like hit the Indians, what's that called now, Progressive Field. I'm going to hit PNC, drive all the way out to Fenway, make it a, make it a whole thing. Uh, so next question, who are your favorite Tigers telecasters? Dan Dickerson, obviously. Um, he said Telecasters. Well, yeah, and he was talking about, he said that he actually likes Jack Morris. I mean, yeah, more than Kirk Gibson, which is weird. Um, oh, this I, is, a, okay, so this is a question about who they're Gibby, rotating in and out yeah, of. The... Team Rod, Team Kirk. Hmm. Um, I like Gibby, but I got me a soft spot for Rod Allen. Yeah, it's, 
hard. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, Mario and Pemba is the staple. He's not going anywhere. But as far as who's going to provide the the color commentary, uh, you know, Kurt Gibson was fun to listen to when he was kind of ranting and raving about run expectancy and war and whatever else he was talking about. But I love Rod Allen. I love when he goes on his tangents about how he went to a Bruce Lee movie as a kid and came back and kicked over fences and just random stuff like that is you don't get that anywhere else and it's awesome that story kills me every time every time i want to just go back and watch that game just for that in fact i think yes before we bail out of this segment i will drop in my favorite clip of all time from rod Halland. maybe i'll drop that one in too but my favorite of all time is him talking about (laughs) him talking about missing the uh independence day barbecue because the Tigers were in Toronto on Independence Day, and he was all pissed off because they weren't going to get Independence Day barbecue. <laughs> and so he he says to Mario that he says they were going to be in Cleveland like later that day. And so he's like, well, we'll have to get some. And he's like, how are we going to do that? He's like, we'll just find somebody who's barbecuing and walk into their backyard. Just show up. I remember this. This was great. <laughs> I will I will drop that in and post that at the end of this segment. It's awesome. Okay, final question. Who finishes the season with more home runs, Avilas or Ghost? Ghost. Yeah, that's. I mean, you don't think of Ghost as a power hitter, but yeah, it's going to be Ghost. And he's going to hit more. He's going to play too. more. There is that too. It's just sheer odds saturating the market. So there you go. iPhones are garbage, providing us with yet another entertaining lightning round. Let's get the hell out of this segment. The Rod Allen clips are coming up. And then after that, we'll finish it out. The seventh inning Kvetch. We want you to stop using these baseball terms. We'll tell you what they are after the break. Those uh, Bruce Lee movies, you have to admit, they were awfully tight back in the day. They were, but Bruce Lee doesn't have near the fastball that Bruce Rondon does. Did you get into those flicks, those Bruce Lee flicks? Absolutely. Did you really? I love going to those. When we used to leave the theater, I thought I was Bruce Lee. (laughs) Did you get into fights? Well, not fights, but we kicked over a couple fences. (laughs) Because they don't fight back. (laughs) You had to think you were Bruce Lee when you left those flicks. You juvenile delinquent. They could have gave us a day game, so we could have got to Cleveland and found us some barbecue ribs or something yeah, somewhere. That would have been nice, but oh well. Not happening. Cleveland's not known for its barbecue, is it? Well, you can go find on On the 4th of July, buddy, you can find some barbecue ribs now. That's a good point. Even if you have to sneak in someone's backyard. <laughs> what does that mean? Oh, for a picnic? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just show up. <laughs> You know, a lot of Tiger fans going to be making that trip over to uh, to Cleveland over the weekend. Maybe they'll have a few leftovers. Well, I bet a lot of them have come to this series that are going to Cleveland. As- Three now. Here's the 2-2. Oh, boy. Curveball grabbed the outside corner. Victor not happy. Pitch that he felt went around the plate. You rarely see Victor complain. Brad Osmus better get out there quickly. Oh, and Victor got tossed. We are ready to wrap up this show with our final segment, the seventh inning kvetch. And we're actually going to use the uh, seventh inning kvetch today to actually do some kvetching, which is just a nice Yiddish word for bitching. I've been long wanting to have this conversation, Rob, about baseball terminology, because there are a couple of them, two, three, that, that I hear thrown around. Some of them are up for open debate. 
uh, have been on Twitter for a while. So I think it was time, I thought it was time that we should actually have this conversation about these terms, what they mean, your opinion on them, et cetera, et cetera. The first one is the, the famous one that's been batted around on Twitter and, and other places. It's the term batting around. You say they've batted around the lineup. And some people take the, the opinion that that means uh, the leadoff hitter has to bat in the same inning twice. Other people say, no, if you've batted nine batters, then you have completed a full lineup. You have batted around. So what's your what's your stance on that one? Uh, I would say the second one in that, you know, you get through the entire lineup, that's batting around. And whether you get to that leadoff hitter again, doesn't really matter. Plus, I don't like it. Like, if you're keeping score and you get back to that leadoff guy, that screws up your whole scorecard and you got to go back through it again. So that annoys me. It does. You have to cross out all the numbers at the top. And yeah, and then it looks all canceled. janky. It does. This is why they need to make, well, they do. They make, like, phone apps that will do that for you. You, know, you keep score on the phone, which is stupid. Yeah, just, but that's not the same. It's not. Do it on paper. What do you do? Do you use like the ones with the little diamonds already inked in, or do you make your own diamonds? Uh, I usually make my own. Wow. But they look all funky. That's hardcore. It is hard, but yeah, they that's, they look weird. That's like caveman style scorekeeping right there. I still prefer like the old, you know, Spalding scorebooks that actually have the the outline of the diamond already done for you. But I, I I'm going to disagree with you on the terminology. You have to get not through the lineup because that's the term. If you bat nine, then you batted through. You have to come full circle to get around. And that's just, I don't know. That's just one of those things. I, I think um, it's only going to be settled through much heated and angry debate in the comments section. So all caps is better. All caps, underline, use swears if you have to. Batting through is, I think, is what you call that. The second set of, of terms, or I should just say the second term, is one that you hear constantly from the play-by-play guys, and even Dan Dickerson does this, and it always gets a little bit under my skin. Say you're, you know, seventh, eighth inning of the game, Tigers are down by one, they get a runner over to second base. What you'll frequently hear the broadcaster say is they have the potential tying run on second. Now, to me, potential is an unnecessary word. It's not even a true word. You have the tying run on second. If that run scores, it's not he hasn't potentially tied the game. He has tied the game. Well, know? what if someone I don't know, what if he like you know runs into an out and then someone else scores? I don't know. Then the run didn't score and it wasn't a tying run. But if it represents a run out there, it's not a potentially tying run. It's it's a tying run. I know, I'm just trying to argue for the sake of argument. <laughs> this one makes a lot of sense. It kind of does. And yet everybody says it. Every single broadcaster that I've ever heard always says, well, the potential tying run at first. It's like one of those things like ATM machine. The machine exactly. is, you don't need to say machine. It's already built into the acronym. Exactly. It's, or the word uh, pre-recorded. As, as if there's a thing you know, that you could like post-record. Everything is pre-recorded. Recording happens. Uh, yeah. This is pre-recorded. Yes. But you could just say recorded. Yeah. It, it was recorded. You, you, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Maybe when we get Dan Dickerson back on the podcast, we'll have to have this conversation with him and find out why he says potential tying run. It's probably just ingrained in his brain at this point. Probably. And I wouldn't ever ask him that question. Can you imagine? I'm going to make an ass of myself talking to Dan Dickerson like that. Yeah, no. You, you really got to stop saying potential tying run. It irritates me, man. So stop. Right. And the third, and this one maybe is, is borderline complete game shutout. No. no, this one this one gets on my nerves. Oh man, here because we go. All it right. is it is a shutout. A shutout is actually defined as a complete game that a pitcher throws without allowing any runs. So throwing a shutout, you already implied that the pitcher has thrown a complete game and you don't need to throw 
you don't need to say complete game shutout. This is one that I actually like actively edit on the site whenever someone says complete game shutout. It's like in our little style guide that Kurt made, or you know, twelve thousand years ago, or whatever. Yes. But this is one that we actually, you know, are working to eliminate the the words complete game shutout from everyone's lexicon. <laughs> then you have edited that out of many of my pieces, I'm sure, because I still use the term complete game shutout, which is weird because I just argued for dropping the word potential for potential tying run. And yet I still feel like eh, there is such a thing. I know it's not technically the thing, but you could have a pitcher go eight innings and throw eight scoreless innings and say he pitched eight score, you know, eight shutout innings. You can say eight shutout innings, but it is not a shutout. There's the actual stat shutout implies a complete game. Is that official? Yes, it is a stat. Well, I know shutout's a stat, but... Yeah, it's on baseball reference. Okay. See, then I really have no ground to stand on, but I I feel like those two things can be... could be construed as separate. If you just say shutout, then somebody would say, well, did he complete the game? Like, well, yeah, but... Well, then they're moron. (laughs) Well, sometimes you have to pander to the lowest common denominator. So I know when when I'm on Twitter, I always say complete game shutout, so... Okay, there there you go. And maybe that's the answer that Dan Dickerson would give me if I said, why do you say potential tying run? He'd say, because if I don't say potential, the morons won't understand. So there. I just Also, he has to describe a little bit more. How's that? He has to describe it a little bit more. He's on the radio. People can't see the score. It's true. It's it's true. I just I just grew in my understanding. Apparently there are people that like think he doesn't say the score enough. Like there are actually people complaining when we did a podcast with Dan Dickerson. That they didn't like Dan Dickerson. Who said that? Uh, you I know, didn't the see pl- any of this. The plebeians on Twitter. The heretics. Yeah. The Philistines. I didn't see any of How that. How can you argue against Dan Dickerson? Because he doesn't say the score enough? I guess. Uh, yeah. How, how like, short-term memory are you that you need the scores at every five seconds? Well, I know I can see it from this point, and I have Maybe if that... you, like, tune in late, yeah. Exactly. I have had that frustration before where I'm, like, on the way back from a baseball game. I've coached my son's little league game. I jump in the car, the Tigers in the sixth inning. I want to know the score. I turn the game on and yeah, it might take a few minutes, but that's because you, you got to balance this, right? Dan Dickerson spends a lot of his time bantering and talking about cool stuff, you know, analytics and stats and, and, and stuff like that. So he's not, you know, constantly pinging back and forth with it. And just to remind you, the score is still three to two. I get it though. There's, there's times I get in the car and I'm waiting and waiting. Just tell me what the score is, but that's why they invented like mobile apps that will tell you that. So, I just don't understand people who can complain about him, like Rod Allen or someone. I get it. You know, he's a little campy at times or or whatnot. Mario and Pemba, he's you know Mario's kind of boring, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say that. You know, he'll never come back on the podcast. But no, he's not boring. Mario actually, Mario is a really fun guest to have on here because he's talked he's... about a lot of those. You know, kinds of he things. He is. He's he's great to have on here as a guest, but as a broadcaster, he's just kind of plain. I guess plain is the way to put it. Yeah, okay. He tries to stay out of the way, which is okay. Yeah. It's that, What I meant to say is that when, when he's been on the show before, he's actually been very open about going into some of those you know idiosyncrasies and explaining why he tends to do things the way he does, because he does want to stay out of the way, you know. Well, and I think that's that's kind of why I liked him with Kirk Gibson last year because he was able to delve into some more of that stuff, you know, the run expectancy stuff and whatnot. And I thought I think it brought out a little bit of a different side mm-hmm. of Mario in the booth, and so that was why I, you know, was pleasantly surprised by Gibson in the booth last year. Yeah, I remember Mario told me on the podcast a year or two ago that he he would like to get more into the stats, but again, he is trying to play to the lowest common denominator. He called it the 
the USA Today, you know, of, of sports newspapers, which probably has a lot to do with a lot of why he does what he does. He's just trying to do whatever you call that. The bare minimum is not the right word, but you know, you know what I mean? I'll be very interested to hear how he adapts and changes when he does the radio broadcasts this year, because there's like 10 games that he's going to be on the radio and Dan Dickerson's going to be on TV, which in itself is interesting because Dan told me he likes the radio better precisely because it's radio. You get to paint, you know, pictures with words and things like that. So it'd be fun to see if, uh, how he responds to being on television. I still want to hear, I want to like Dan and Gibby to do a game together and just like hear that conversation. I mean, that could easily happen, right? Yeah. Assuming that so. uh, Gibson's back in the booth at, at all this coming mm-hmm. season, you may very well of those 10 games, I'd say you've got a pretty good shot that he ends up in the booth with Kirk Gibson at some point. That would be fun. That's that's something you want to DVR and then burn it to an actual hard copy DVD and bury it in a time capsule, I think. All right. I think that is about all we've got for this 24th episode of The Voice of the Turtle. Rob, you got anything left to add? Yes, I want everyone to subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes. Um, we need to beat those guys at the podcast Yanos and be better than them and better ranked <laughs> than them. So I want to make sure that we we get more people ranking our podcast. That would be amazing if everyone could do that. Um, and that's all I've got. All right. Uh, I have looked and I don't actually even know where you go to rate this podcast on iTunes. I hate all I could, things Apple. I could probably drop it. Uh, drop a link in there maybe you can uh, try that i'll try we'll if see you what happens. find it i i looked for it and i couldn't and i think it's just because they make you install itunes which i think you're probably a mac user anyway. oh why well, yeah i have i have I see that's it i won't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole and i hate that they make you do that just to see but the best part is i only got to find it once and i can just copy and paste everything there you go if you see the link click the link rate review do the thing try to use nice words about us which we're doing our best here All right, remember, we are only one half of the conversation, and you are the other half. So leave your comments for us at the website, blessyouboys.com. Find us on Twitter at hookslidebyb or bybrob, or you can send us an email at bybtigers at gmail.com. So on behalf of Robert Jackie and people everywhere struggling with mild injuries, this is Hookslide reminding you that fielding percentage is a deadweight stat, and it would be an error to continue using it. And we'll see you next time on The Voice of the Turtle.